Today on Peace Talks Radio, the story behind that Stand By Me video that someone has probably sent you a link to. You know, Stand By Me started with one man and a guitar, and it ended up with 37 people around the world. We explore Playing for Change, the peace through music effort that unites musicians from all around the world, playing often on the streets and in the fields of their native lands, all contributing to the same song. Yeah, we're doing something good and you're helping us there. Let's love each other. It's the musical effort that's also raising funds to build music schools in impoverished villages, hoping to build a peaceful future for young people there and for their communities. It's, it's like watching kids be reborn again, and the smiles are the biggest I've ever seen. Today on Peace Talks Radio, the series on peacemaking and nonviolent conflict resolution. This is Peace Talks Radio, the series on peacemaking and nonviolent conflict resolution. We put the spotlight on peacemakers throughout history and today, whether it's the search for inner peace or learning how to resolve conflicts we have with others in our families, workplaces, communities, or between nations. We consider it here on Peace Talks Radio. I'm series producer Paul Ingalls, and today the story of an effort to create a truly global form of music, uniting musicians from around the world and then viewers and listeners from around the world. It's the creation called Peace Through Music, or Playing for Change. If you spend any time on a computer, and even just have a few people that you exchange email with, chances are good one of them or more has sent you a link to a video saying, hey, check this out, it's pretty cool. And if you do check it out, you become one of tens of millions around the world who have seen and heard this song. It starts plainly enough with an older African-American street singer strumming an acoustic guitar on an urban sidewalk as the afternoon bustle moves around him. He's singing the Ben E. King classic tune, Stand By Me. The caption says the singer is Roger Ridley and this is Santa Monica, California. No matter where you go in life, you gonna need somebody to stand by you. After a few lines of the song, you still hear Ridley's guitar, but now a new voice enters. Another African-American elder with a thick gray beard, overalls, and a straw hat is seen wearing headphones and singing in another place. When the night has come And the land is dark And that moon is the only light Screen flashes his name, Grandpa Elliot, and he's in New Orleans. And where's that washboard sound coming from? Oh, oh, now you see it. It's another street musician playing in clearly another part of New Orleans. His name is Washboard Chaz. Then for a moment, Ridley and Elliot sing together. There's a few quick shots of a young Anglo man at a soundboard engineering all this, then a few shots of an airplane taking off, and another voice from a worn-down alleyway in Amsterdam. Clarence Becker, he has headphones on, and he begins a verse. Then we hear a steady drumbeat, and we see the Native American drum group from Zuni Pueblo in New Mexico beating their massive drum while one elder with headphones on counts out the time. 
so it goes, as you listen or watch if you see the video, every voice or instrument that's added to the track is coming from a different musician or group from a different part of the world. A tambourine from the streets of France, a ukulele from the square in Rio de Janeiro, a cello from Moscow, a steel string slide guitar from Italy, more instruments and voices from the Congo, South Africa, Spain, and on and on around the world in harmony. Stand By Me was the first sensation in a series of songs and videos recorded the same way around the world by the young man behind the recording console in all these scenes, Mark Johnson and his crew. Now there's a Songs Around the World CD, a Peace Through Music DVD, and a Playing for Change multinational band that tours, and as we'll hear more about later, a Playing for Change foundation that is helping build music schools in impoverished communities around the world. But first, Mark Johnson with our Carol Boss. Well, the original idea for Playing for Change came about 10 years ago. I was working as a recording engineer in New York City. I was on my way to work one day, and I was in a subway station, and I saw two monks painted all in white from head to toe. Both of the monks were wearing robes. One of them was playing a nylon guitar, and the other monk was singing in a language that I didn't understand, and I imagine most people didn't understand. But on this one day, I saw about 200 people stop, and nobody got on the train. Everybody's watching this performance, mesmerized, and some people have tears in their eyes and jaw dropping and smiling. And I looked around at a collection of people who normally just run by each other, and here they are coming together because of this music that we don't really even understand. But it was one of the most beautiful things I'd ever heard in my life. And then I got on the train and I went to work, and it occurred to me, that some of the best music I'd ever heard in my life was on the way to the studio, not in the studio. And that's when I realized that great music and great art are just moments in time. They exist everywhere. And it's not just about famous people or um, things you hear on the radio or buy in stores, but that there's great music all over the world. And we can use these moments to bring people together. So that was the origin of this concept of bringing the studio to the streets and trying to use this music as a way to connect people together to try to give us all something we can believe in. So shortly after I, 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 I had that monk epiphany in the subway, I moved out to Los Angeles, California, and that's when I met my um, Playing for Change partner, Whitney Cronkey, and we decided together to build a mobile recording studio, assemble some friends with cameras, and travel across America to see if we, you know, what happens when you go out there and you meet street musicians and you start to find, um, get to the roots of the people. 
After doing this exploration, we realized that there's so much incredible music, also so many inspiring stories out there. And we also realized that with the equipment that we were using out in the streets or in the subways or in Indian reservations, that we could actually unite them all together onto the same songs, such as Stand By Me or One Love. So musicians from thousands of miles from each other could all play together on the same song to kind of show that power of music as an as a ability to unite everybody. When you first started hitting the road, uh, can you think of... Um of a couple of people who you first met that you sort of thought, wow, this is what we were looking for. This is what we wanted to find. Yeah, you know, when, when we first started recording music here in Los Angeles on the streets, we met a young trumpet player named Chance Powell. And I think at the time he was 14 years old. And he was a virtuoso trumpet player, and he actually sounded exactly like Louis Armstrong when he sang. Which, in a, which was pretty surprising coming from such a young boy. And when we asked him, you know, how did you get inspired to play on the street? And he said, oh, yeah, you know, I was, I was walking on the promenade with my mom, and we had about five bucks in our pocket, and we weren't sure how we were going to feed ourselves. And he saw a deaf trumpet player playing on the street. Now, the deaf trumpet player um, was struggling, obviously, to hit notes and was just more out there to kind of show people that he was alive. But to see the courage that came from the deaf trumpet player, this gave Chance Powell the courage to say, you know what, if he can do it, I'm going to come out here and play on the street as well. He went on then to get a major recording contract with Universal and is just an outstanding musician. But to see that the, 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 the source of his career came from um, witnessing a deaf trumpet player on the street, and that gave him the courage. I think we found that these kind of human stories really add a whole nother level to, um, to the depth of music. Because when you hear music, you often don't know much about the, the people creating it. And then shortly after that, we met Roger Ridley, who um, was, the, was performing the song Stand By Me. And I just remember being a couple of blocks away from him, and I came over to him and I said, you know, hey, uh, you know, I'd love to record you and film you playing that song, take it around the world, put headphones on people and add them to the track. And, you know, and he looked at me like I was crazy, but he said, hey, if you come back, I'll play the song. So when I did come back, he uh, was in a set break, and I said, hey, Roger, with a voice like yours, what are you doing singing on the street? And he said, man, I'm in the joy business. I come out every day, and I just want to bring joy to people. And when you combine a voice like Roger's with a song like Stand By Me and a man in the joy business, you're off to a really good start in trying to inspire the world to come together. And one great thing about all these street musicians, Chance Powell or Roger Ridley, is that they really have no ego. They're out there just trying to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And I think that that lends itself to the human quality of music. You know, you talk about the power uh, of music. That song just um, transfixes me, right. actually. Same here for me. Do you know what it is about that song? Right, because, you know, the Benny King version was incredible and the John mm-hmm. Lennon version was incredible and now the Playing for Change version is great. And I think that the thing about the song is the simplicity, the fact that um, it, it doesn't take a lot of words for everybody to, to understand the depth of the meaning that we're all here together in this world and that no matter what, we have to come together and work together. And I think the other thing about it is that it it implies a perseverance. It implies the fact that no matter what's going on, we're going to be here for each other. And that's a very important thing in life because problems happen all the time. One of the biggest lessons I learned traveling around the world 
was that everybody in life has to persevere through something. And in that lies our humanity. And I think that that song gets to the root of all of what um, connects people, the human heart. Can you talk perhaps a little bit more specifically about how you envision this bringing peace or advancing peace in the world right. through the music? Well, I think that you know people out there playing music, they have, um, when, when they're out there to try to give something to the people, um, that that has a, a great intrinsic connective quality. So their desire is to connect with people who walk by them. So already there's a form of connection happening. And then you add the layer of music, which has the ability to get to the sentiment behind the words and really connect people's hearts. And I think that what that can do is offer people the, the option of, of seeing that we're all here in this world and we can create things that are positive together. Because we're not looking as wor at world peace as this concept of something that will happen one day. We're looking at it as something that can happen every day and that peace is really a state of mind and that people can use music to help them persevere through their own problems, can also use it to become joyful and celebration, and that we can use music as a, as a tool to help us um, make the world a better place while we're here today, but also for future generations. We make choices while we're in this world. You know, we're going to decide what's going to happen to us, if it's going to be tragedy or if it's going to be joy. And with music, we're more likely to come together as a planet. Have you ever met up with any skeptics of any sort who might say, yeah, you know, this <clears throat> is all really nice, but what can it really do to, to connect us, to bring peace? I have, of course. I've, I've definitely run into skeptics. But I think at the end of the day, in my personal opinion, this is the root of what we need as a planet to come together because there's no other thing that intrinsically will connect us. So religion and politics, they can be beautiful, but they guarantee division. Music can guarantee connection if that's at the intention. So although there's plenty of other uh, ways to, to go about trying to unite people, music is, in my opinion, the best way. Why don't you share with us some of your favorite tracks and, and perhaps some stories about recording them? So after we started Stand By Me, we wanted to have a similar song with a similar aesthetic and a similar unifying quality. So we chose Bob Marley's One Love. Bob Marley's music has always been my favorite and he's always been one of my heroes. So we decided to take that song around the world. And as we were recording that song, we started it with a steel guitar from New Orleans. <laughs> And the thing about it was it was after Hurricane Katrina, so the feeling in the city was rather sorrowful. So you can see that the steel guitar opens up with a, um, with a feeling of, of more of a blues gospel feel. And then when we went down to South Africa to record Sinamuva, which is a choir, a Zulu choir in Umlazi, South Africa, we went up to a little mountaintop, put headphones on them, and they started to sing in Zulu. You know, I, don't, I think we, we had thought that they were going to sing in English. So when we heard them singing in Zulu, it opened up this whole new world for us where we don't have to try to take these songs and turn them into... Um, you know, what they were traditionally written, we can expand and, and try to get people to contribute their own style and make them their own. 
and uh, that, that sort of was an amazing experience for us. And then when we went to record musicians in Dharamsala, India on that track, uh, which is the location where the Dalai Lama lives, you know, we were a little concerned that maybe some of the sounds and the instruments might not fit on that particular track. And as we were walking down the street, we saw a Tibetan record shop, and it had all Tibetan CDs, and in the center was Bob Marley Legend. And I think that that's when we knew we were definitely on to something, uh, and we had come to the right place. So that song became a, an amazing track for me just because of the journey and seeing everybody saying, you know, let's get together and feel all right. something that you wrote on Bill Moyer's blog about interviewing the musicians that you that you went around recording them but you also talked to them. So what did you right. learn about how music has helped them persevere through struggles? When we went down to South Africa, post-apartheid South Africa, that was the heaviest moment for us because we met a famous poet named Lesego Rampolikeng and he said to us down here People play music to stay as far away from the grave as possible. You know, that was something I never even imagined. People play music to stay alive. And I think that that's when we realized the depth of, of the journey that we were on and the, and the power of music, the true power of music. You can use it to celebrate, but you can also use it to overcome incredible types of tragedy. And watching the, the, the Zulu singers um, from, that are featured in our film and in our songs around the world, you know, so much of their of their townships are are, um, are HIV positive, and to see these people come together with the power of music to to give them some sense of hope, but also to show the world we're here, we're alive, we matter, and we're with you. I mean, to me, that was one of the most powerful things I'd ever heard. 
One other example was in Northern Ireland when we recorded the Oma Youth Community Choir, and this was a choir formed after a terrorist bombing in 1998 by Daryl Simpson, and the town of Oma in Northern Ireland was divided between the Catholics and the Protestants. So after this terrorist bombing, he set up a choir of Catholic and Protestant kids, but said if your children are going to be in the choir, the parents have to be on the board and actively be involved in the process of working with the choir. This forced a lot of them to look at the hatred in a much more human way, and also now it wasn't about them, it was about their children. And by combining music with these other powerful concepts, they were able to unite the town together around something they could believe in. And now when you go to Oma, they go to the same school, the kids have sleepovers, the parents are best friends, and you can see the tangible results of, of music, the choir, and the, the use of music um, for perseverance. Girls Choir with Protestants and Catholics singing together in Ireland. Love Rescue Me, featured in the Peace Through Music DVD and the Songs Around the World CD. More with Playing for Change co-founder Mark Johnson later, plus two of the musicians whose lives were changed when they agreed to be recorded and filmed by Mark, and the story of the Playing for Change Foundation's efforts to build music schools in impoverished villages. All ahead on Peace Talks Radio right after this break. Oh, I got it. 
You're listening to Peace Talks Radio, the series on peacemaking and nonviolent conflict resolution. Online with all the episodes in our series going back to 2003 at peacetalksradio.com. That's peacetalksradio.com. I'm series producer Paul Ingalls, and today we're getting the story behind Playing for Change, the peace through music effort that unites musicians from all around the world, playing in the streets or fields of their native lands, all in support of the same songs, which become songs around the world. In a moment, Carol Boss talks with a couple of the singers featured on the CD, DVD, and a touring band that stopped recently in Santa Fe, New Mexico. But first again, Mark Johnson, the recording engineer who co-founded the project, talking about one of the few songs on the CD that featured a bit of big-name talent as Bono chipped in. We didn't want to just sing songs that were so positive. We also wanted to show people that we can go from the darkness to the light with music as well. And that's why we decided to do Bob Marley's War, No More Trouble, because the first part of the song says, talks about why there's war in the world, and then the second part says, but we don't need any more war, what we need is love. So I think that was a great defining moment for us to say that it's not just about things being great, it's about when necessary, we go ahead and we make them great together. Until the philosophy which hold one race superior and another Finally and permanently discredited and abandoned, or everywhere is war. Say war, Congo sees war. Children of God, until Second-class citizens of any nation Until the color of man's skin Is of no more significance Than the color of his eyes Everywhere is war Hi, I'm Clarence Becker. I was born in Suriname. I was raised in um, the Netherlands and currently living in Spain. Hi there, I'm Mermans Kenkosinki. I'm from Congo, but right now I live in South Africa. Let me ask you, Clarence, how was this project, Playing for Change, explained to you that drew you into it, that interests you? Actually, in the beginning, I didn't have a clue what, what it would be all about and what it was all about. And up until I saw the first results of the Stand By Me video, and it hit me there, okay, this is something that will work and bring um, a whole bigger part of the world together. Since you've been part of Playing for Change, has anything unfolded or happened that has really surprised you that you didn't expect? <laughs> for me, yes, of course, uh, a lot. Uh, um, you know, I was um, playing on the streets in Barcelona uh, for the last four years. And uh, since uh, the first Playing for Change gig in um, March 2008, uh, my telephone kept ringing, kept ringing, kept ringing, and I started to see myself on the internet. Uh, I was starting to uh, travel uh, to all these places I've never uh, been before, uh, going overseas. Uh, 
uh, here I am doing a tour in the United States of America. So for me personally, it had been a big change. And with that, um, we're helping um, to build schools in, in, in poor countries. So we're doing something good. And career-wise, we're having a, a good upliftings. Yes, yes. So it's beyond, it's beyond your expectations. Way, way, way beyond, beyond my expectations. Way beyond. Yeah, like, we used to play in a restaurant, you know? From the street first to the restaurant. And after we met, uh, we met Mark, he told me that, that one day we're going to tell the world. And yeah, I was just, okay, listening. Maybe it's going to happen. Because we heard a lot of those kind of stories. I'm going to take you there. I'm going to do this to you. Blah, 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 blah. But just the first tour, because I never left. I never uh, lived out of Africa all my life. And then my first travel was from Cape Town to New York. And I didn't sleep. I was like, no, this is not happening. You know, sometimes I'm like, I, I'm speechless. I don't know what to say. It's so big. And we see how the kids, like in South Africa, there's a school, a Tonga school in Gukuletu. You must see how the kids are enjoying that the day we opened the school, we went to play. How the kids are so really, they want to be musicians. You know? So this is something else. Something else. Have you gotten a sense of the impact that's had on the community? Yeah. It's in the township. And there's a lot, you know, you, and you know in, in Africa, when we say township, it means really... Without an end. Yeah, there far, but a lot of a lot. people. So that was like something new, very, very new in the area. So everybody support it, enjoy it, they love it. Yeah. But mom, I know that there is the, they just opened one in Ghana. Many people who understand and love music know that music um, is a universal language that brings us all together. And there are those um, who think we can't all get into a circle and sing together and make everything all okay. Some people think the concept is, I don't know if you know this expression, English expression, a pipe dream. You know, just something that you can dream about. And I'm wondering with the two of you that have had these experiences, how you would counter that? Well, you know, uh, someone just uh, said, uh, uh, when you're on stage, we've got the mics, <laughs> you know, the, and the audience is there to listen. So it's up to us uh, what we do with the mic, uh, how we bring that uh, our message across. And uh, I think with the Playing for Change band, we are absolutely bringing a message across of peace and happiness, love through music. So uh, maybe in the rest of the world, there might be people who, who think um, that it, it ain't never going to happen or that it's a dream. But at least there, is, there are people who are trying, you know, and uh, I'm glad that I'm one of these people who can be part of that trying. And I guess I can say something also. Like right now, Clarence is from, born in Suriname, raised in Holland. I'm born in Congo. I'm raised in Congo. I speak Lingala. 
he speaks uh, Dutch. Dutch. But there's one of my songs, Mado, is in Lingala. Clarence is singing that. <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. So, like they say, the universal language. We don't need to be from the same country to play in the same band. You know? Just check the guitarist is from Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe. One of the singers is from South Africa. Clarence is from Holland. I am from Congo. Grandpa Peter, New Grandpa's in New Orleans. Peter's in Los Angeles. Uh, Ali Du is from Ghana. Jason is from Congo. Stephen is from LA. Uh, Ruben is from New York, Puerto, Puerto Rico. Rico. In seeing the DVD, for me, the most moving, most powerful thing is to see all of the musicians from all these different countries singing together. So what is it about that? Because I'm sure that it has inspired and brought tears to uh, many more people other than myself. What is so powerful about that? I think the harmony, the power of harmony. You know, you need all these aspects to get one, our harmony. And these videos, they have the power of harmony. And I think that's uh, in a very easy way to explain it, just the power of harmony, getting everyone together to, to do one, uh, one goal. Lemons, what do you think about the power of harmony? If there's no harmony there, you can't sing. So when we are in harmony, we've got the power. Yes. You know, he harmony got the power. power because harmony puts a lot of people together, and the more we are, the stronger we get. Yes, now the words of John Lennon, no? Imagine I'm John Lennon. <laughs> you might think that I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. <laughs> the project suggests in its, in its title that peace is, is possible through music. So I'm wondering what either or both of you have seen in your association with playing for change that actually affirms that. Yes. I think um, uh, it's possible since uh, this band came together, and uh, I'm really not kidding, since this band has been together, and uh, from day one we come from all over the world, we don't know each other, we don't know each other's background, we all have different backgrounds, some uh, uh, poor, some rich, some uh, white, black, whatever, and we are one family and that for me already was like um, peace for me there is not one second that i, I feel stressed or feel um, unharmonized in this band so with that feeling in mind and uh, on stage having that backstage on stage in the bus that is our peace and we deliver that to the people what do you hope this project, Playing for Change, will inspire in people who come to the concerts and, and watch the DVD? I think the sharing part, um, the, the way that we share our stage, um, they should be, uh, be able to share their lives with others the, the way that we do it on stage, and it comes naturally. And, uh, if you just let everyone um, do their part, and the way that they supposed to do it, and which comes from everyone comes naturally, it will all work out. Don't don't suppress yourself. Don't don't oppress yourself. Just let everything go naturally, and we'll all come together. 
Yeah, what I can say is the people can see the power of love. A change is possible. Yeah, that's what Playing for Change is telling me, that a change for the better is possible. That's me. What we have uh, achieved up until so far is that like every house that we that we are into, um, the, the, the audience that comes, there, there is so much love in the house. Everyone leaves with an open heart, an open mind, a smile on their face. And I think everyone just forgets about everything for, uh, for two hours. <laughs> and to achieve that and to see them standing up at the end of, uh, of our show, um, for us, like, yeah, yeah. We're doing something good and you're helping us there. Let's love each other. It's, it's the best way, you know. Let's love each other. Becker belting out the Sam Cooke classic A Change Is Gonna Come from one of the Playing for Change tour shows. Grandpa Elliot joining in here too. Our interview featured Clarence Becker and also Marmons Kenkosinki. Next, what the Playing for Change Foundation is accomplishing in villages and townships around the world. Peace through music today on Peace Talks Radio. More in a minute. You're listening to Peace Talks Radio, the series on peacemaking and nonviolent conflict resolution, online at peacetalksradio.com, where you can sign up for a podcast and a newsletter, order CDs, and talk to us. That's peacetalksradio.com. 
I'm series producer Paul Ingalls, and today the story behind that viral video sensation, the Stand By Me tune, featuring 37 musicians from all around the world that you've likely seen. 40 million viewers have watched it or one of the other songs from around the world, produced by Mark Johnson and his team. There's another component to this story, and that's what's known as the Playing for Change Foundation that's building music schools in impoverished communities around the globe. Mark Johnson's production partner, Whitney Burdett, has that as her responsibility. And according to musicians Clarence Becker and Marmons Kankosiki, that end of the deal is in good hands. We call her the Fire Queen. The Fire Queen. The fire Queen, that's what we call her. Because she's got so much fire. So much she fire. She works, she's a, she's a young girl. Mm. Um, she comes from not that poor background, but she is using all her energy to do something good in this world. And uh, she doesn't have to come on the foreground, and just, but she's working very, very hard. And I so much love her for that. She's the fire queen. <laughs> yeah. So Whitney Burdett, what was the impetus for creating the Playing for Change Foundation? And how how is it linked to what you were doing at the very beginning with Mark Johnson? Well, when we started the Playing for Change Foundation, it, it was a it was a direct result of of our travels in in playing for change. We we set out to capture moments that were happening and and slipping through the cracks of society. And as we traveled around the world and and were meeting these musicians and they were introducing us to their families and opening up their homes to us and and sharing their stories with us. We really wanted to come up with a way to to give something back to them. It seemed like we were we were getting so much. We decided to launch the Playing for Change Foundation with the with the idea that through music we can all come together, whatever that means. If that means us providing resources to these communities in the forms of, you know, meeting basic needs, then that's what that means. If it means, you know, creating a school so that they can teach their their youth music or continue their own music traditions, then we will do that as well. We've done everything from provide uh, pillows to refugees to to build schools from the ground up. It sounds like maybe it wasn't so much a, a leap for you and Mark to take this on. Um, not not necessarily. It was, I mean, it was a leap in the sense that neither of us really had experience in, in nonprofit or charitable or foundation work. We, we didn't know what we were doing. We just felt a really strong need to do it. So we took a leap of faith. So the the first project then was in South Africa, and that was in a, a township. And am I pronouncing this correctly, Guguletu? Guguletu, uh-huh, in Guguletu, South Africa. And that's just outside of Cape Town. So how did you choose this particular place, and what was your intent for this township? Um, it's it's actually a really interesting story how we ended up in Guguletu. Um, a number of years ago, Mark's older brother, Greg, had given him as a present, I believe for Christmas or something, a book called A Day in the Life of Africa. And it, it it's consists, consists of um, photographs being taken all across the continent of Africa on the same day um, by very well-known photojournalists. And one of the photographs was a picture of um, musicians in a township playing jazz during apartheid. And the picture Mark had hanging on his wall for a couple of years, and I remember we would look at it at meetings before we had an office and we were in our apartments and we'd meet at Mark's, and there was this picture of a guy with an upright bass and they were having a little jam session outside of a, I guess you could call it a grocery store or a cafe or something um, made out of a shipping crate. 
and we um, had always sort of kept that photograph in our minds as, as somewhere we wanted to, to visit. When we decided to take Playing for Change around the world, we traveled to South Africa with the thought that we would maybe figure out where that photograph was taken. And literally, we, we asked around um, various street performers in the Cape Town area if they knew who these people were until we found someone who did, and they actually took us to, to them, to Pokey Kloss, uh, is the gentleman playing the upright bass in the photograph, in the township of Gugulatu. And we spent some time recording and talking to Pokey and, and, uh, and asked Pokey if we were to do something uh, for him and his community, what would that be? And he said, well, I've, I've been teaching the kids of Gugulatu music in my backyard, um, and I, I would love to have a school in which to teach them. So when we launched the foundation shortly after that, it was pretty clear to us um, that we had been brought to Gugulatu for a reason. Uh, via Pokey, we also were given, we were blessed that Pokey owned the land behind his house and wanted to give it to us in which to build the school. And we were able to go in very quickly and inexpensively and actually build the building and there are, are classes taking place now as we speak. Is Guguletu, would you call it an impoverished community? Absolutely. I mean, it's not the most impoverished of the townships, but it's pretty bad. For kids, let's say, is it unsafe? Uh, yeah, I would definitely say that, that without without any activity that there's there's really only one way to go and it's it's definitely been you know those areas are in those townships are, are are very scary in the sense sometimes that you can you know get in there and we were there when were we there when there was some rioting going on a township over mm-hmm. and they were um, there's a lot of violence still with the refugees that come to South Africa we actually had two musicians that we work with that are based out of Cape Town that are fr- Congolese refugees and there have been a few times where they, they won't come out to Gugulatu with us because it's not safe for them. Okay, that gives a little bit clearer picture. So in other words, it's not just a question of kids with nothing to do. I mean, it's with kids nothing to do, and they're really at risk at getting mixed up in things that could be dangerous. Very dangerous. A lot of, there's still a lot of prejudice, you know, internal, internal prejudice. I think one of the biggest ways in which the, the school in Gugulatu is, is, is a safe place for these kids is that it's, it's, it, it's, it's an educational center in, in the purest sense of the word. Even just bringing out those Congolese musicians and being able to introduce them to the kids in Gugulatu is a huge step forward because I don't believe that they would necessarily come into contact with people from the Congo, and it just dis- dispels a stereotype that they could form at a very early age. And in, in, in making that introduction early on, you know, we expand horizons. Can you describe the impact of that very first school on the community, on the youth in the community? It's, it's pretty incredible to see, to see that these kids, um, the enthusiasm that they have, for the school, for the music, for any opportunity. I, I don't think that people realize how much of the, you know, it, it's not for lack of want that these, that these kids have, 
you know, nothing to do. It's they, they just have they just have nothing. They've been given nothing. They've been they have so little opportunity. They have school in the mornings and then they have absolutely nothing. When you give them something to do, the hunger with which they they approach it is 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 quite astounding. They have a, a lot of energy and um, they they throw themselves in it. We have way more kids that want to be able to take music classes than we have music classes, which is our our new problem. We're going to have to be trying to figure out ways to to get everyone involved. So it's it's pretty amazing. On on a lot of levels, it gives them a sense of hope. I think having someone that comes in and pays attention to their community gives them hope. I think that connecting to each other um, through music, through a, a medium that is that is peaceful and creative and cooperative, uh, is is something that of an amazing lesson for them as well. You know, they're learning to work together on things. You know, collaborating and creating something together, as opposed to being individuals. And these communities can be very isolating. It's it's like watching kids be reborn again like they they've they've seen it's 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 amazing they they're seeing things they've never seen and the smiles are the biggest i've ever seen <laughs> let's talk about um the project in rwanda mm-hmm. um, clearly a, a country that's been ravaged and where there's um uh, you know a population that's been traumatized what what's the plans f- there um yeah the rwandan project is is really interesting we we partnered with a group out of North Carolina called Leaf International. And Leaf International in 2006 traveled to Rwanda to, in, to set up a music program. They, they wanted to work with orphans of the genocide. And they thought they'd be working with um, orphanages, essentially. But what they got when, what they found out when they got there was that these orphans all live on the street. They don't... Um, there aren't orphanages. They don't particularly live in, in homes. They actually live um, in parking lots. And they they started working with one particular group of kids called the Mazzaro Kids. And they live in a parking lot um, behind. They lived in a parking lot, I can say. As of a couple months ago, they have a roof over their heads. Um, they lived in a parking lot and were essentially a street gang. Um, and they started working with them, bringing in teachers and teaching them the drum and um, some other some other basic things and and in these couple of years they've really seen these kids blossom. Um, in September of this year, when we they reached out to us just to say how can we work together, we have a lot in common. Um, one of the kids in the in the Mazzaro, uh street gang was shot and killed by a police officer. Um, I believe while they were sleeping or or woke, was woken up out of a sleep and shot and killed and um, in their parking lot. Um, and it became very obvious that that there was a, a really strong need to get them, A, off the street with a roof over their head and to give them a way of continuing this, this, this music and the drum because it really helped them to organize themselves and they'd started, you know, getting food and organizing work and... These kids have really shown a lot of, of, of uh, ambition, you know, to, to make a better life for themselves. So we were able to get a roof over their head, and we decided to come together. And we've been we're in the really early developmental stages of um, the Entore Culture and Music Center that we are hoping to either build or find a space in which to develop into um, a center for teaching and performance 
of music and um, a dormitory slash orphanage as well that will be run by this group of kids. And what do you and Mark and, and those at the foundation envision once that's up and running? If they have a, a place that they, they're going to be actually responsible for for everything from the management and the maintenance of the building to um, the you know, structuring of the classes. The older kids will be teaching as well. I think you'll start seeing them helping get other kids off of the streets and into the into the safe zone of this of this center. Um, I think it's going to give them a lot of um, initiative in in their own environment in which to help others as well as just themselves. And then I believe that that in continuing their teaching of their of their uh, music, the Rwan drum and, and things like this, and the dance, that um, it empowers them through through their own cultures. So, and they're also going to be running, we're, we're still working it out the best way, you know, trying to think of ways for them to become self-sustaining. That's always the challenge. You don't want to, I mean, as much as we would love to be able to continue supporting them financially for a number of years, they actually don't want that. They, they want us to help them for a couple of years and then they want to be self-sustaining. So there will be some sort of a, a coffee shop or something. It is Rwanda. They, you know, they have that, that enterprise there and, and um and it and it's exciting for them to to develop these ideas with us. I mean, we shoot over an idea and say, "Can you come back to us with your thoughts?" And they are they are so excited. So it's it's incredible to hear about a group of 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 street orphans that that were sitting in a parking lot <laughs> coming up with ideas for us. And you know, name we let them name. We they came up with a name for for the center, and you know, they're. They're really excited. It's just amazing when you get give someone the smallest opportunity, um, what what they'll do with it. You know, they these kids just need any alternative to to being idle. That it that it's really just a matter of giving them one little bit of inspiration, and and they have an incredible amount of energy. So Whitney Burdett, have have you um, talked about and explored? the the notion of playing for change, the foundation being essentially an agent for peacemaking? Absolutely. Um, our dream is that eventually all of our schools will be connected to one another. We're really lucky that you know, we live in the age of the, of the Internet and this incredible technological capabilities. We would love to see, and we've seen it happen in our travels with playing for change, just via an iPod that we would love to see these schools connected to each other where we'll have children in Nepal doing a concert for the children in South Africa and vice versa or playing a song together or a teacher from Ghana teaching kids in India or in the United States. And we have seen it happen where just in showing someone that they in fact can perform on the same song as someone else an incredible, incredibly old set stereotype will just disappear. We had, I believe it was in India, where we were showing One Love to, it was in India and Nepal, the video of One Love on an iPod to some of the musicians, and they, we, there were some Africans on it, and um, an African choir, and they said, oh, I used to fear the chocolate people, but now I'm not scared mm. because of something so simple as they were singing the same song. Mm-hmm. So I think that music is is a gr- the greatest equalizer, and um, because it it speaks to people on a resonates on a different frequency than 
and words or, you know, thoughts. It's, it's, it's able to reach through all of that jargon and hit people right in the heart. And in that way, I, I do believe it really can be a, a, an incredible agent for peace. Whitney Burdett, who directs the Playing for Change Foundation. And again, her Playing for Change production partner, Mark Johnson. You know, Stand By Me started with one man and a guitar, and it ended up with 37 people around the world. We're, we, we started with one school in Gugaletu, South Africa, but the plan is to build hundreds of schools, connect them with recording equipment and cameras so that kids all over the world can play songs together, then they can learn about each other, break down their stereotypes and their prejudices. When people watch uh, some of these songs around the world, I think that it gives them the chance to remember that it's not just about themselves, it's not just about their own struggles, that we're all here together, that we share this planet, and that the best way for all of us to get through our lives is with each other, and that we don't stand alone. And even when things seem tragic and things seem really bad, there will be other people out there that will stand by us, that can uh, help us and pick us up when we need it. So I think it really gives people a sense of, of humanity, you know, because there are so many things in the world that try to divide us. I mean, are you rich? Are you poor? Are you black? Are you white? Are you a Republican, a Democrat, an American, a foreigner? I mean, so many things, right? But at the same time, we all share the same blood and we all share the same heart. And if we use music and inspiration, we'll remember that we, we're all one. For a link to the Playing for Change website, where, if you haven't already, you can see some of these songs from around the world performances, you can go to our website, peacetalksradio.com, where you can also hear all the programs in our series going back to 2003, order CDs of most episodes, sign up for a podcast and our newsletter, and it's also where you can make a tax-deductible contribution to our nonprofit media organization that produces this program. That's peacetalksradio.com. Additional support comes from the Oppenheimer Brothers Foundation, the McCune Charitable Foundation of New Mexico, AMP Concerts, Albuquerque's roving concert series at ampconcerts.org, and KUNM at the University of New Mexico. Ali Adelman composed and performs our theme music. For Carol Boss, I'm Paul Ingalls. Thanks for listening to and for supporting Peace Talks Radio. Music